0: Hi Divya, good afternoon. Hi Tanvi, hello everyone.
1: Can you hear Hi. me? Your voice seems to be cracking a bit.
0: Um, Okay, Um, I'm trying out a new thing. Oh, I really can't do anything about that stuff. <laughs> Hopefully it'll get better as we start yeah. talking and it warms up.
1: Yeah, it has already, I guess. Yeah. So hello everyone. Uh, hello everyone. Um, welcome to our talking Tuesdays. Welcome again. Uh, our topic for today is uh, the social baby. Uh as I said, you know, uh we are doing the series on know your baby, uh, and this is in continuation to the to uh the two topics that we've already covered. One is the parent parented pathway and the transitioning baby. Um we will be, uh, you know, talking about uh, baby sleep uh, the next uh, time. So uh, let's start, Divya. Okay. So
0: social baby. How many of us believe that our babies are softer? And then what does that mean in the really early newborn period to be softer? Uh, how do we define being softer? Social basically means our ability to interact, to find enjoyment, safety, connection in that interaction, to be able to look at um, cues, nonverbal cues from each other, uh, find a relational field. And a lot of parenting in the early period is done with an idea that it is a one-way traffic. So basically, we don't accept that our children are social beings right from the beginning and are looking for social connections. Now, if we were to know that, would that change the way we interact with our babies? If we knew that they were not only social beings, but they were seeking social interaction with us. And of course, that was it's a layered experience, and that would then lead to what is called the social emotional development and uh, is the substratum I'm interrupting you, but uh, uh, your voice is cracking a lot okay let me so see if I can find a different uh, let me see if I can find a different uh, wifi connection okay.
1: So we'll just wait. Hi, Sonia. We'll just wait for uh, Divya to join back. She was having some issues uh, with the internet. Uh, Were you able to hear her fine? Oh, okay. Thanks for letting us know. Okay, then I think it's just uh, my internet connection. Okay, she's here, I'm just uh, connecting her back. Thank you for letting me know. Hi. Hi Devia. apparently uh, it wasn't you, it was me. It was on your end.
0: Yeah, but I've anyways changed the Wi-Fi connection. Everyone could hear you except me. Oh, okay, sorry. Let's go back. Let's pick it up from where we were talking. And we said that uh, social-emotional development is the foundation for then learning, cognitive development, and relationships, and so on and so forth. And as we move out in the world, our children gain those abilities but uh, there is a neurological imperative as well for a social early social interaction why we are social beings why later in life our ability to make relationships and be social is important and that arises from our uh, primal drive of safety so uh, for most people we know the neural uh, neural biology is divided in two ways especially on the safety paradigm which is sympathetic and parasympathetic lots of birth workers know about this that in our parasympathetic all our bodily functions work well but in our sympathetic uh, we are activated and that's the stress response or the defense mechanism but i want to uh, kind of expand that view just a little bit so that why is this so important and I want to get that message across. We are actually designed to seek social interaction because our safety as a species has depended on our being together as a community. Uh, If we are alone we are prey but if we are together, we have safety in numbers, but also we are predators. I mean, that's another story. But if we cannot engage a bunch of people around us to stand with us, then we are constantly unsafe. I mean, imagine that for a moment. And a lot of our social structures are built around that, which is family, uh, which is community, which is neighborhood, which is even, you know, so many ways that we find commonalities so that we can group together. And so this imperative starts right from the beginning, because who needs more support to survive than the baby itself? Who's dependent on somebody constantly? So the pathways are set in a way with parents that... um They are looking for that social engagement with their parents, but the parents also, when they interact, get hooked onto the baby. Now, a parent who's hooked onto the baby is going to make sure that they are going to take care of this baby. There is a hormonal aspect. There's a neural aspect. But the mechanisms are set from birth. And you know, we had talked about last time the states of consciousness. So babies arrive into this world in a state of quiet alert ready to engage. That's their default set in the world. And as they come out, and because the parents are also looking to see this baby, they've not yet, you know, uh, they've only imagined this baby. And the baby comes, and the mother speaks, and the father speaks. And immediately, these babies will turn their heads and orient towards the voice, because they're seeking the connect. And this is our social response forever and ever when we hear a familiar voice. We turn towards that. But remember, this is also our response for threat. When you hear a loud voice, we turn in that direction to make eye contact. So we have these pathways with the parents, uh, which is audio audio visual. You know, uh, you look and you hear and look towards the mother. Then eye to eye contact, uh, you know, try talking to somebody with their dark glasses on. Versus when you can look deeply into their eyes. And that's a very nice connect. And thirdly, of course, is the bodily contact with the parents. Uh, and because the womb is such a tactile, rich place, that uh, a lot of learning of the baby about his safety, about care, about love, is tactile in the world outside. Otherwise, how would the baby sense you? So interestingly, the baby is designed for it. And it's actually seeking social engagement because that sets the template in its brain that the world is safe and that's where we go to again and again and again how many of us call up a friend or somebody when we feel upset because that's our first line of defense is a social engagement and we're primed for it right from the beginning because we're learning when we're together we are safe and lots of people know that the babies can hear and see. But what people don't recognize is that it is meaningful interaction for them. They're not just vaguely looking at things, they're actually seeing. It has meaning in their brain. They're able to connect many different senses to make a broader picture just like we do. What we are seeing and what we are smelling puts things together. So say there's a beautiful rose, but there's no smell. Then we might touch it and see if it's real. But if there's a beautiful rose, our eyes can see it and we can smell it. We know it's real. So we are creating a map of what is around us with all our senses. And the babies can do that too. And so the reason this pathway becomes important is because it's putting the foundation of safety. It's building the foundation of relationship. But how do we get parents to find that meaning? Because the baby is looking for it. But until we don't think that the baby is capable, do we give him that uh, interaction? So lots of people will say, there are times in the day the baby is just very quiet and looking around. And I wonder what they can see. So they're recognizing the cue, but they're dismissing Because somewhere in our head, we think, what can the baby see? How far can they see? What they can see is about eight to 10 inches. So if you're actually holding the baby in your arms and making eye contact, that is what they can see. Your voice, they already know. And what is interesting is they have preference for known voices. So in a group, or a room full of people when the mother speaks the baby will want to orient to her than any other unfamiliar voice. So these are all little clues that we have that this baby has a need for social interaction. But their capacity of social interaction is not the same as ours which means that they don't want to go out for uh, you know a party in the evening because their brains can take only that much. So we are uh, looking at the cues and the clues that they are giving us, and interacting, and when we start to do that, it encourages it encourages them to seek it out more. Say you want to talk to somebody, but you don't get a reverse back. So after a while, you'll stop. And what is the larger message that you will get is that nobody's interested. And then over a period of time, you might start to look at the world saying, yeah, nobody's interested in me. And what would that part shape your personality as as you grow older? Versus a child who who, who makes a cooing sound and the mother looks immediately and talks. And that encourages the baby. You say, oh, yeah, I'm being met, so can I now again uh, you know, uh, interact with her. Let me try it one more time. And then she she does it again. And then let me do it one more time. Till he, he kind of believes that becomes his belief that uh, when I talk, I will be listened to. And that is the, uh, you know, the basis of that relationship. So as the kids grow older, while they start to talk, lots of parents talk to them, but there is not a relational quality. Because they're asking the child, okay, so what did you do? The child tells them what you do. But the child's not eager to come and share what I did because it had been shut down. And then depending on how much that shut down was, because we thought there was no meaning to his babbling, we may have just shut that pathway or partially shut it or given a different indicator than what we had intended to. But if you had always talked, then maybe in teenage years, you won't say, I really don't know what's going on with my child. is not talk to me at all. Because talking to you, knowing that they can come and talk to you is a part of who they are. So a social baby basically invites mom and dad to interact with them in ways that are okay for the baby. And at times that they are open to that learning, not overwhelming their brain. But it is really important because it tells you Um, because it puts the foundation of their mental health, their social, emotional health, their learning for the rest of their lives. So there is a very nice experiment, which is called the, um, still face experiment and there's this small child and the baby and the mother has an expression, which is, looks like this. And as she stays there in front of the child in this face, the baby, continues to get more and more agitated because he's not able to read facial cues and that's how early they start hearing looking at the cues and there, he's getting very agitated he doesn't know what's going on because it's the face is not telling the baby what's going on now the muscles of our face especially our eyes are uh, um, the the nerves that actually move these muscles are linked with our vagus nerve which is our nerve of well-being and together they tell us whether we are safe in the world. So when you're seeing a blank expression, it's actually feeding, giving biofeedback that things are not okay. Something is off for the baby. And then soon enough that baby starts crying till she smiles again. And, uh, and then everything is okay with the baby's world. So this idea that when I, when, you know, there is somebody paying attention to me they're listening, I'm hearing, it's a two-way process, is building that um, that, need, is fulfilling that need of the baby to feel safe, but also is the building block of uh, social engagement. And uh, we, we, we play this game where we cover our head. And the first time we cover our head and we bring it down, the baby's actually looking at us. And then we laugh. And then the baby laughs. Now, second time when we do it, it's already expecting, that you will come back and laugh. So see how quickly their brain reads the patterns. You do it the third time, and you become play. Play is a wonderful way of socially engaging and growing. And then maybe in a while, the baby will ask you to do it. And see, this is how two-way or uh, you know, uh, two-way traffic there is in, with a social baby. So um... any questions? I just
1: wanted to, uh, you know, uh, wanted you to add something to this, uh, uh, especially around, uh, uh, you know, when babies, like we mentioned in our, uh, you know, initially you had mentioned about fear that, you know, whenever they they, uh, kind of hear something loud and they look towards it. um, Is it also important to, um, uh, you know, regulate a baby's uh, nervous system uh, to like socially engage with
0: them, uh, especially initially? Well, actually, the social engagement itself is a regulatory mechanism. That's how I started it, saying that our first, because we're human, our first go-to space is a social connection. So a well-attached baby or a well-regulated baby or, a, or a, even an adult who has had the right amount or an appropriate amount of engagement in childhood, which would then lead to attachment, will actually seek another human being when they first feel stressed or feel threatened by the world. Only when we message or teach our children that nobody else is going to come for you, will they move to more activated states or even collapsed states. So, you know, why some people buffer through life uh, with all the challenges so much better than others who seem to just Flail in the face of the slightest bit of uh, uh, you know a challenge is this initial foundation of regulation. And but you know we don't want to talk about life in such absolute terms. This is a really good start. So even people will say that I had the most profound relationship for the first time in my life, maybe with a teacher in college, who saw me. Who heard me who believed in me and it's possible to get that uh later but what a what a uh, what a loss it may be to go from zero to college not feeling that yes. not feeling the love the joy the engagement of it but get it in college or maybe you know some people would say you know i've gone through my entire life not feeling it but um Now at 60, maybe I'm getting married again and I find this with this other person. But also think that as we become adults and parents, would that not, not having that, would that not affect our parenting paradigm? So parent-infant pathways is also a way to turn the spotlight back on us to say, how do we feel connected? Is there somebody in our life that we can totally rely on? not expect to rely on. I expect you to show up or knowing in your heart that they will show up. And so what's the difference? I expect you to show up, but you didn't, and I'm disappointed, which is a lack, versus I know you will show up, but you didn't. I hope everything is okay with you. So do you see the difference of belief in both the scenarios? One would be You know, you're constant. Then somebody needs to constantly prove to you that they would show up. And in the second, you are already in a relation where you are inquiring into saying that I hope everything is okay with you. You didn't show up, so there was never uh, like a a belief that you wouldn't. And if you haven't, it's still not a negative mark against you. And that is the foundational uh, place, you know, that attachment. What do you grow up looking at the world as? Do you think it's a safe, predictable place where you will get through and you have everybody around you to support you? Or do you feel that you have to constantly work for attention and, uh, you know, you'll have to constantly prove yourself and you can't trust anybody and you're all by yourself? Which one? And it's not something we can cognitively think because it's laid down so early. We Is it as early regret. as we when we are born?
1: It's as early
0: as prenatal. Mm. That's what we were because, talking about earlier.
1: Correct, because my next question was around, uh, you know, when when babies are born and uh, you know immediately they're they're taken away, uh, you know, to either nurseries or whatever. So I'm sure that's also an impression that they form. Uh, you know, the world. Of well, that. they do
0: have what is called separation anxiety. That's Correct. a fact. They have separation anxiety. But again, you know, we can throw out a word and then let everybody flail with it because yet another problem. Now we are worried about that separation anxiety. So we can't just throw out a word without giving it context. Now, depending on how the baby was in the womb, what was the relation with the parents in the womb? What was the birth like? Then when they were separate separated for some reason was the father or mother allowed inside did somebody give the baby context how was the baby handled and then what happens when they come back so i i would really not say that one incidence of your life can change everything again True. i'm going to say this again because a lot of people can go through a lot of challenges and come out on the other side completely robust so it's not uh it's not just one thing it's also everything around that thing so say if a baby does need to be separated I mean let's play the devil's advocate here can the father or the mother go or a grandparent go and the baby can get to hear a familiar voice that's better than nothing because now the baby knows somebody's there can we talk to the baby because it's a social baby Can we talk to the baby as if we were explaining this to somebody who had to go go through something? Say the baby was 10 years old. Would you be able to explain now mommy has to go out for a while and now you have to do this and so and so is here to look after you? Can we say that to the 10 minute old baby? Like we mean it. Because, uh, you know, we talk about intention so many times. If our intention and our attention says, oh, we are saying the words, but the baby doesn't know anything, then that's exactly the cue, the non-verbal cue that the baby will pick up. Because the words really perhaps don't mean anything. But when we say something, our belief colors it. But when we say it as if we know the baby is listening and understands, some regulation will happen um, because the proximity, the heart rate, the belief around it, some regulation will happen. And so by my regulated state and that interaction, the baby is getting regulated. When, we, when babies are perfectly safe, I mean, we talk about separation in, um, in hospitals. When we put babies in their own room with baby monitors, is that not separation? Right. As far as I'm concerned, that's separation too. How does the baby know that this is my room and that's the nursery? It just knows that every once in a while, I'm being put away all by myself. That's what he knows. And it's ran- as far as the baby's time clock is, it's random. They're putting me away. And then perhaps over a period of time, they say, yes, they put me away and they come back. And then while I'm here, there's nobody. That's the truth. It's not judgmental. It's just the truth. I mean, I want you to see it from the baby's perspective.
1: While we're making
0: such a hue and cry about separating babies from their mothers in the nursery, two days later, we're ready to put them in a separate room. How is that different? Yeah. This baby needs his parents to regulate him. He needs the presence of a well-regulated adult to say he's safe. And the preference is known person because the baby knows the mother, not only um, by her voice, but by her smell, by her gait, how she moves. So many different pathways of the baby knowing the mother. So the more familiarity there is, the more safety is encompassed. So this isn't like if the mother's not there, the baby will not feel safe. He will, but optimal. Let's go back there. And so what is the little divergence? What is the repair? What is the divergence? What is the repair? It's all about give and take.
1: Right. So we have a question. Uh, Do babies only like known people, or can they feel engaged and safe with unfamiliar
0: people, too? They can be, very much. Because babies read their atmosphere not by just looking at you or your voice. They're also tapping into what is called entrainment with the heart field. So, you know, sometimes when people are really calm and they pick the baby up and the baby keeps quiet, I'm like, oh, okay. They're feeding into their heart they're reading into their heart tones. And from that starting point of safety, then they can, because you're holding them and they look into your eyes and then they hear your voice. And very quickly, their brain puts this multidimensional uh, picture. Oh, so you're good too. And then you repeat it many times and then you're very good. But it's about repetition, because repetition is practice. You tell the baby, I love you, you're safe, and you do it many times, that you're giving him practice of what safety and love feels. Yes, babies can tune into anybody else. Either they can start from a familiar place, or they can start from a safe place and put things together. So it's the same mother, when she gets very anxious, the baby actually starts crying. Right. So it's not you need a dimensional that way. I hope that answers the question.
1: Great. So that was it from us on social babies. Uh, I hope Neha or uh, was able to answer your question. Uh, <laughs> and if not, we can take it offline. We can
0: have
1: discussion yeah. about babies all the time. True. So uh, a pattern, yes, Uma, that's right. So that was it from us on uh, our social baby uh, topic. Uh,
0: Yes. I do want to say something about patterns, right? So it's a really good word, pattern. But I'd like to uh, kind of bring out a little bit of a difference. You can either set the pattern for the baby, which is a schedule or a routine Mm -hmm. for the lack of a You know, schedule sounds really harsh. Routine might sound better, but it's still a pattern that is outside of them. What we are saying is that we are observing the pattern of the baby, the inherent, the innate pattern of the baby, which is which we call rhythms. And we will use it in every pathway, whether it is uh, we did it last time when we saw states of consciousness. They decide where they are ready to go, sleep or wake. Uh, whether it is social, they decide whether they're ready to engage or disengage. So, you know, when we take this further and we, we talk with parents, we talk about cues of engagement and disengagement, learning how to read your baby. Why, why does the parent need to learn the baby? Because the baby is not capable of regulating themselves and, you know, uh, managing their emotions. And of course, there's no cognition. Emotion uh, and extreme emotional states are there depending on what they feel. But they cannot manage it. That is why the adult is looking at the pattern. So the pattern is a really great word. But just want to make that distinction. That when we say that if we put the baby in a routine, that will help them organize better and be disciplined. That is not true. That will help you organize better. Organize yourself. And the baby will not get disciplined. Because discipline cannot be imposed. All discipline is self-discipline. Correct. A dysregulated baby will find it difficult to concentrate or be still because they're always worried. So by offering them this pathway of engagement to their need, again, I'm saying it to their need, is because they're also saying that you are important. And that's the really bigger picture on, on the pattern. So just wanted to say that before we closed.
1: Great. Thank you so much everyone for uh, joining us for our Talking Tuesday today. Uh, we have a really uh, interesting topic also next week, uh, which is on baby sleep. Uh, in fact, we have been getting requests uh, as well to do uh, uh, you know, a topic on around sleep. So um, a, a, a bit of it Divya mentioned uh, around the rhythms uh, of the baby, so we are going to uh, you know, touch upon that as well uh, during our next session. Thank you so much everyone. Thank Thank you. you Bye. Bye.